Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be in the house of God this morning. Amen? I'm glad you're here too. Ephesians chapter 4 with me. If you were here a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night when I filled the pulpit and the pastor was gone and I preached through the book of Ephesians. Probably one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ephesians. One of my other favorite books is the book of Philemon, amen, because it, uh, that deals with Onesimus the thief, and uh, he fits a lot of my pattern when I look at him and how God forgave him, amen. But uh, here in the book of Ephesians uh, has become one of my favorite books. The whole Bible is my favorite book, but one of the books is Ephesians, and I want to focus in on chapter 4 with you this morning, if I may, chapter 4 of Ephesians this morning. And... Um, Let's just see what the Lord has for us today, amen? And so I'm going to ask if you to stand with me for a moment as we read Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to begin reading uh, in verse 17 where Paul is speaking to this church in Ephesus, and he makes a statement to the church of Ephesus. He says, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And he makes this statement, but ye have not so learned Christ. Now, Father, thank you for your precious word again and the privilege we have to gather around it this morning for this few moments and the Sunday school hour, Father, pray, prepare our hearts for the next service also, Lord, and then today that you'd have all the honor and the glory, Father. We'll give you the praise and thanks now in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. As I begin this morning for a few moments in the Sunday school hour, I'd just like to ask a, a question uh, as I get started here, and, and um, it's more of a, uh, this is more of a question for you to think about, so we would call that a rhetorical question, amen? So I have a list of, of questions for the title to the message and then four questions in the message that I'm going to ask you to cause you to think about some things as we look down through here. My son one time when he was, uh, I can't remember how old he was now, he was probably about uh, uh, 9 or 10 or 11, and, and I asked him a question. I said, uh, son, I said, did you clean your room like your mother wanted uh, you to? And he looks at me and he says, is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> I said, no, this is, this is what I want an answer for real quick, amen? And uh, so he, he said, yes, I did. But I don't know if he ever did it that way, but we hoped he did, amen? But uh, here in this text, I'd like to ask you this question as I begin uh, this morning. What, um, what kind of an impression are you leaving on the world around you? Now think about that just for a moment. Ask yourself that question. What kind of impression am I leaving on the world around me? Amen. And we're going to leave. The world is going to look at you as one or two ways. They're either going to look at you as one of them or look at you as someone different. Amen. That's how the world sees you. So you could be a born-again believer and not necessarily leave the right impression with those who are around you in the world. They might look at you and they might, you might never tell them that you're a born-again believer. Well, then you're going to identify with the rest of the world with them. And you might look at them and you might, that's how they're going to see you, even though you might be a believer, 
course, you've never told them, they'll never know. And then if you're not living it, uh, then they're not going to know. Let me, let me just give this thought here to you. I guess I got that on already. Let me give this thought to you here. I remember years ago, Pastor Schott, when, uh, when I first started going to New Line Baptist Church with my wife, and, and, um, and I'll leave this thought with you. And, and I walked in the back doors of that church for the first time I ever walked in, and I saw a young lady sitting at the organ playing the organ, and I asked my wife, I said, how long, how long has she uh, been saved? And my wife said she's come to this church ever since I've been here, and and her dad's a deacon, you know, in the church. And and I said well, that's something because I never saw that when I was in school with her. And she went to the same dances that we went to, and went to some of the same things that we went to. And and I always identified her as one who was with the world, even though she was a born again believer. It's sad, is it not, that we would not identify someone for what they really are. Well, the world's going to see you one of two ways. They're either going to see you as one of them or they're going to see you as someone different. Look at me here in this text again in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not of those other, other Gentiles walk. Paul's making this statement this way that if you were if he was here today, he would say, Don't live like the rest of the people in your community who are not born again believers. Amen. Live like those who have been saved, but not like those who are unsaved. So he said, I say, henceforth walk not, don't live, don't act, don't behave, don't talk like the rest of the world. Uh, walk in the vanity of their mind, or the actually the nothingness of their mind, or the emptiness of their mind, or the uh, uh, the or, or the deceiving of their mind, uh, uh, this fakeness of their mind, the falsehood of the mind. He said, don't live like that. That's how they live. That's how the world lives. Uh, in fact, just listen to the majority of politicians, and you'll pick that up real quick, amen, uh, out there today. He says, "Having here's why they do what they do. Look what he says in verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's why they do the things that they do. Being past feeling, had given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He said, that's what the world is like. That's not how we're supposed to be. That's the world's standard. That's the world's life. That's how the world is. So he said, boy, he says, he says, but he says, but so, if so be, or but ye have not so learned Christ, speaking to the church in Ephesus that have been saved. And so if you were going to, in today's vernacular, if you were going to, maybe you would say it this way, uh, uh, you know better. Amen? He says, you know better because you are different, because you are saved. It's so be that ye have, uh, ye have not so learned Christ. He said, ye have not so learned Christ. So you know better. You know how you ought to be. You know how you ought to act. You know how you ought to behave. You know how you ought to live. And so Paul is telling the church of Ephesus, if you know how you ought to live, then don't live like the rest of the world. Don't react like the rest of the world. I think I said one time, a, a friend of mine made a statement. He said, uh, he said to respond is a work of the spirit, but to react is a work of the flesh. So to respond to something would be a work of the, to respond, and, but to react is a work of the flesh, he says. And so he, Paul makes a statement, but you have not so learned Christ that there ought to be something different about you 
and different about me than there is about those who are not saved. Amen? Something different about you and something different about me uh, than those who do not know Christ as their personal Savior. There will be something different about you and something different about me than, than maybe our neighbors who have never come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, there ought to be something different about you and something different about me as the children of God. So Paul says in verse 20 again, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be, if so be, if you have heard, that's what it means, him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now how do we hear him uh, today? Well, we hear him uh, today through the word of God. You're taught by him today through the word of God when you read the word and when you study the word and then when you, the word is taught to you and then when the word is preached to you and uh, maybe you might hear it on the radio or on a TV or sometimes you uh, hope you hear it in the pulpit. I know you do hear amen. Uh, some churches don't use the Bible when they preach anymore. That's a sad state, to, but it's a true statement. Uh, you hear it and you've learned because of what is being preached, amen. So if so be that ye have heard, well, we hear it by the learning by the, and learn it by the preaching and the teaching and the reading and the studying of the very word of God uh, that we ought to be into ourselves as believers in Christ. So then I want to bring you to the first thought on, on what kind of an impression are you leaving, I would ask you to ask yourself that question, what kind of an impression am I leaving around those? What do people see me as, one of them, or they see me as one who is a born-again believer, saved by the very grace of God? By the way, let me make this statement to you. We ought not to be afraid to tell people we're saved. Amen? We ought not to be afraid to tell people that we're born again, saved by the grace of God. I used to I used to play golf a lot when I pastored. I'd play uh, in the summer, uh, pastor's uh, shot. I would play every, every day of the week, um, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And because in the golf course in our, our town where we were at, uh, I got to play free. And so they let all the preachers in the area, regardless of what you were, if you were a pastor of the church, then you got to play golf free. And well, I like that part, amen. I like anything free, amen. I told some I'm no longer a, I'm not a free will Baptist, but I am a free meal Baptist, amen. And I like free stuff. And so I play golf, but I would always play by myself. So I would always want to get to the golf course. I would look for somebody who would be up on the tee box by themselves or someone who'd be coming up behind me and they were by themselves. And I would always invite them along to play with me. And before I was done, uh, they'd have a track and they'd hear the gospel. I kept a little Bible in my golf bag that I would take with me. So if I had the opportunity to open it up and share the gospel with them, I would do that. You would not know how many guys were happy that the game was over. And they would never, next time they saw me out there, if they came, brother, they would walk the other way until I teed off my ball, amen. A lot of guys did not want to play with me anymore, but that was, I used it as a tool to try to, Witness the people the gospel of Christ, amen. Uh, so he makes a statement. We ought to, we ought, they ought to recognize who we are because of what we are, and we ought to not be afraid to tell them who we are. But I'm going to ask you this question. The second, the first question in this message today, number one, is who are you? Who are you? Where do you line up as a child of God? 
He says in verse 22 through verse 24 of this text that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man was corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on a new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So who are you? He says you need to put off. Who do you identify with? He said you need to put off the old man. Now, you came here to church this morning, and I probably used this illustration here before, but humor me for a minute. Let me use it again. Uh, You came in here this morning, and I'm looking out through here. I don't think I see anybody with their pajamas on. Amen? Now, I've seen some... I've seen some teenagers come to church sometimes, Pastor. Looks like they got their pajamas on, amen? Uh, that's because they wear pajamas, I think, everywhere. How I many of you have been to the store lately and you see somebody come in with a pair of pajamas on? I don't understand that, amen? What do they wear to bed? Their work clothes? I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, just never understood that. We, we sat there, but we'll laugh. You know, people walk by, you know, they got these little animals on their pajamas walking. Good. Now, listen, if that's you, please, I don't mean to offend you, but you look funny if you do that. I'm just, just telling you, and I'm going to laugh at you, you know. But, you know, you don't look, I don't see anybody in here today with a pair of pajamas on sitting here or nightgowns. Fellas don't wear nightgowns, amen. And uh, or ladies in nightgowns or men with pajamas uh, sitting here in the church this morning. I don't see that. You know why? Because you got up this morning and you physically took your beg clothing off. Amen? And then you had to physically put on what you came to church in today. So you put off and you put on. It's the same way in a born-again believer's life. He said, put off the former conversation, the old man, which corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That means we had to put on. That means, you know what you know this did this morning? You didn't stand in front of a mirror today and go like this. Clothes off, <laughs> clothes on. Did you? No, you didn't. It don't happen magically, and your Christian life's the same way. You had to physically do this in a Christian life. He says in the Bible, work out your own salvation. And that has nothing to do with getting saved, and it has nothing to do with keeping saved, but it has everything to do with how you live after you're saved. Work out. That means it takes a little bit of work in your Christian life to be what you ought to be as a child of God. How many times you ever just? How many times you ever thought maybe I'd just like to smack him right in his mouth? Amen. I'm not talking about your husband's ladies. You know, uh, maybe you have. I'm just saying. Maybe you'd say. Uh, you know, maybe somebody just angered you so much that in your mind you wish you you just wish you could have done done that. Amen. And he said, be angry and sin not, doesn't he, in the scripture? Put off the old man. Being angry, and I think he knew we get angry sometimes. We're going to look at that in just a second. But it doesn't mean that we ought to cross over the line. So he said, you have to put off this physical work. It takes work in your Christian life to become what you ought to be. And, and, uh, and, and by the way, don't ever think you've ever, uh, that you have ever reached the end of what you ought to be. It's, gonna, it's something you need to work on continually as a believer in Christ every day of your life and from the day that you get saved until the day that you take your last breath, amen. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day I take my last breath. I hope it don't happen right now, but I'm looking forward to the day when I take my last breath and I don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. 
I don't worry, have, to have to worry about trying to be good or I don't have to worry about, I don't worry about it in relationship to my salvation as far as keeping saved or being saved. I worry about it as far as the testimony of Jesus Christ in my life. But there's going to come a day when I'm not going to have to worry about that anymore, amen. And when I'm dead and gone out of this world, I'm in glory with God, it's all over and I don't have to worry about the, the thoughts, I don't have to worry about the attitudes, I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. I'm looking forward to that. But until that time, I need to put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And that comes starts with salvation, but it comes by being in the very word of God. Comes for you and I as the children of God by being in the Word of God. Every time you learn something in the Word of God, God's going to show you something else that you got to work on next. Amen. He doesn't just stop with one thing; He continues on with the next. Something that maybe you've never seen before, and all of a sudden you get this thing right with God. You thought you were okay, and then you're reading something else, and God says, "Now work on this." You say, "Yeah, but I just got that straightened out." He says, "Yeah, but you got more to straighten out." Amen. You don't think, fellas, you don't think you got enough to straighten out. Ask your wife. She'll tell you what you got to straighten out. Amen? Just saying. Ladies, the same way. Amen? No, let's ask God. Because God will show you what you need to straighten out. He'll show you how you need to live and what you ought to do. Number one, again, who are you? Rhetorical question. Think about it. Number two, what should you do? What should you do? Look what he says in verse uh, 25 with me. He says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth, he says, uh, uh, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So we are to be truth speakers. We're to tell the truth as uh, children of God. Uh, not be liars, but be honest, amen. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, before you were saved, uh, maybe some of you were saved at a very early age, and and uh, but I'll guarantee you, every every person at one time or another in their life had a problem with a lie. Amen. Uh, maybe it was a lie at school. Uh, maybe it was a lie to your teacher. Maybe your mom and your dad asked you if you did something. You said no. Uh, maybe your mom said, "Did you eat that cookie?" And you said no while you were brushing the crumbs off your face. I don't know. I'm just simply saying maybe. There's somewhere in there. But he said, we're not supposed to be liars. We're supposed to speak the truth as believers in Jesus Christ, one with another, and be honest with other believers in Christ. Be honest with our, be honest with our neighbors. Be honest with our friends. Be honest at work. Amen. Be honest at work. We have to be honest as believers in Christ. I had a, a situation where I knew a, a, a fella um, very close to, uh, a family member at one time uh, that would, uh, when he would go to work before he retired, uh, every day he would bring home a roll or two of toilet paper in his lunchbox. And then he'd bring home soap, hand soap, uh, in his lunchbox that he got from work. And he'd bring this home from work and he'd bring some other stuff home from work. And his excuse was this, well, they don't pay me enough. And my thought was this, they pay you too much, amen? <laughs> because if you, if I caught you stealing from my company, you'd be fired in a heartbeat. How many, amen? Wouldn't that happen? Amen? We need to be honest and we need to be, not be liars and we need to be honest and be, not be thieves. Look what he goes on to say. Be angry and sin not in verse 26. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry about something. Take care of that and deal with it. Neither give place to the devil. Don't let him have rule in your life. Don't let him have his place. Don't let him, don't let him get any honor and glory out of you. 
But let God get all the glory. Let God get all the honor. So he says, let him that stole. Now, this verse became my life's verse, Pastor Shot, years ago. Amen? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor work with his hands the thing which is good that he might have to give to him that needeth. Why? Because I was a thief. And when I read that verse, I thought, that's my verse right there because I don't want to go back to stealing. I don't want to go back to being a thief. I don't want to go back to check forging. I don't want to go back to, to ripping people off. I don't want to go back to breaking and entering. I don't want to go back to grand larceny. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Don't want to go back. Don't want to go back. So I memorized that verse. And, and it was a few years after I got saved when I found, really found that verse, really understood what he was saying. But let him just stole, steal no more. I mean, we, uh, we ought not to be thieves, amen? Well, we could take off on a big group on that, could not, amen? We could really get, uh, what does he say in the book of Malachi chapter three? He says, you have robbed me. And they say, we've not robbed you. He says, yeah, you have. You robbed me in your tithes and your offerings, amen? As we tell us in the scripture, well, we need. We could be a thief with God if we're not careful. You know, you can go rob. You can rob God of your time. You can rob God of the finances you ought to give. You can rob. You can rob God all kinds of ways. We ought to be careful as believers in Christ, don't you think? Amen. We ought to be. So, what should you do? Well, he said, then let him stole, steal no more. But now let him rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he might have to give to him the needs. See, a thief is greedy. He's greedy. A thief does not care about you. A thief does not care about his family. A thief does not care about his friends. A thief only cares about himself, Pastor Shot. That's all he cares about. Doesn't care about anybody else. He'll rip his family off. He'll rip his friends off. He'll steal from his neighbors. How do you know, Brother Mike? I was there, I know. He said, don't be a thief. See, a thief is greedy, but a born-again believer is supposed to be a giver, the opposite of greed, amen? They have to be a giver as the children of God. Then he says in verse 29, what should you do? Well, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers, those who are around us. Let no corrupt communication. I can't remember, is it um, Philippians or Colossians where he says that no filthy communication? All filthy communication is corrupt, amen? But not all corrupt communication is filthy. So corrupt communication is those things that we say sometimes that can do damage or hurt someone else. You don't let that, don't, don't say something just because you didn't get your own way. Don't say something just because it didn't work out the way you wanted to work it out. Don't say something just because you were angry about somebody else in the church. Paul's, or Paul's dealing with a church here. And he's dealing with born-again believers. There were some problems in the church of Ephesus. that Paul says, I see. Don't allow this to take place. So he tells them here, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know, don't, those things that are going to hurt other Believers in the congregation, those things are going to hurt other children of God. Don't let those corrupt things come forth. Amen? We ought, we ought to tell the truth, but we ought to be careful what we say. 
and sometimes how we say it. Amen? We ought to be. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good to use of edifying to me. Minister grace unto the hearers. Look at what he says in verse 31. We'll come back to verse 30 in a minute. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That malice, he said, let all these things, his anger and his wrath and his evil speaking, he said, let these things be put away from you. Then he says, with all malice. Uh, otherwise, uh, and, uh, uh, this used to be in, in a crime, if you would commit a crime, a lot of times pastors shot. I don't know what the laws are in Connecticut. I've never been busted in Connecticut. Praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> but uh, uh, in Ohio, uh, if you would do a crime, and if there were certain things that happened during that crime, for instance, you could get in a fight, and and uh, and and it could be if you did any kind of damage, uh, it could uh, it could be tacked on, it could be uh, something assault and battery uh, with malice. That's intent to do harm, uh, and or it could be a breaking and entering uh, with malice. That means you did great damage. Uh, in, from you had it in your heart, and you had this intent to do more than just steal something, but to destroy uh, something. That was the uh, that was the uh, charges sometimes that would be brought against people uh, in in sometimes assault and battery cases, or in uh, stealing, or or many other things. Sometimes it could be they tack on that term with malice uh, in there. And so my thought of malice, as I look at this st- statement here, he tacks. That on at the end, he says, All these things, let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That attitude of heart that no matter who it hurts, no matter who it destroys, no matter if it no matter if it splits the church, no matter if it hurts the pastor, no matter if it hurts another born-again believer. No matter, I'm going to get my way, no matter who it destroys. So he says, man, let that be put away from you. Boy, I don't know what Paul was all, Paul was dealing with, pastor in this text, but he he was putting the rubber where it met the road. He was dealing with some things. The Ephesians is, not clear uh, about why uh, this was taking place sometimes. Well, Ephesians deals with, for by grace are you saved through faith and, and not of works, amen. Uh, not of works as any man should boast, amen. It's a gift of God, he tells you and I, uh, that we might not boast about it. Boy, I tell you what, my friend, but he's dealing with some things here that go beyond uh, salvation. This goes to the life of the born-again believer, Say by the very grace of God. Well, the verse 30, number one, remember, who are you? Number two, what should you do? Number three, what should you not do? And look what he says in verse 30. And then grieve not the Spirit of God. Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's the... Um, I like it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit uh, as you look at this text in, in our eternal security, Pastor. 
because he says in John chapter 10 that we're in the hand of the Son and we're in the hand of the Father. And here he says until the day of redemption, we're, we're sealed there by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that, a great, isn't that a great picture that we have of God's work? But in this text, I believe here, he's dealing with you and I, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Otherwise, when I'm living in a mannerism inconsistent with the word of God and inconsistent and I'm doing these things and I'm lying and I'm angry and I'm sinning and I'm in bitterness and I'm doing everything I can to get my own way and I'm trying to hinder the work of God uh, in somebody else's life uh, and I might not even realize I'm doing it because I'm, I'm angry and upset and bitter and, and, and no matter who it hurts, I don't care. He said, oh, my friend, you're grieving God. You're grieving the Spirit of God. Because see, deep in your heart, if you're a born-again believer and saved by His grace, deep in your heart, you know what God's saying to you. Don't do this. Don't do this. Pastor, I'm not ever going to ask if you ever stepped into the pulpit and maybe you spoke in the flesh. I'm not going to ask you that question. Amen. So don't shake your head yes or no, amen. <laughs> and don't say don't go there. But when I pastored back in the 80s, and I might have shared this here before too, but it just come to my mind. I was really upset about something at the church. And I was not a happy camper. And I, I was uh, preaching and that morning before I got up to the pulpit, I'm sitting on the platform and one of my men are leading songs and I'm sitting there and I'm going over my mind the message I'm going to preach and the Holy Spirit of God, because I was, I was an angry pastor. And, and uh, some guys can get angry and get in the pulpit and smile at you. Amen. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> I was angry and I didn't, let, I didn't let God work in my heart. And the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, don't preach it. Don't. I've preached that message many times since then. It's a good message, but not with the attitude I had that day. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. And I said, I'm going to do it. And he said to my heart, I'm not going to be in it. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. And I did. And I hurt my people. Hurt my people. You know what I did that day? I grieved the Holy Spirit of God. When you don't listen to the Holy Spirit of God, you will grieve him. How many of you have ever grieved? Lost of a loved one? Amen. Lost of a friend? Sometimes loss of an animal, amen. Will cause you, you, you have an animal, you have a pet for... 15, 16, 17 years, and there's a little, a little thing there that happens when that, that pet passes away, amen? Am I right about that? You'll get over that quicker than you will when it's a loved one, amen, than a loved one. But you grieve. How much more does our sin grieve a holy, righteous God. Well, the last thought is this, and we'll be done. What should you be like? Look what he says in verse 32. 
and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, amen. <laughs> be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, when, when, when you came to Jesus and asked him to forgive you, by the way, that's when forgiveness is applied. We ought to have a spirit of forgiveness. What's applied when, you're, when asked, somebody asks you to forgive them, we need to forgive them, amen? But the spirit has to be there in order to forgive them. So it's got to be in here to start with. So he said, be tender-hearted. I'm not a real tender-hearted person sometimes, and maybe you weren't either. Some people are more tender-hearted than under others, amen, in uh, forgiving one another. I wasn't, it was hard for me to forgive a lot of people, Pastor, years ago uh, before I was saved. But boy, after I got saved, uh, if somebody would come and ask me to forgive them, I forgive them, amen. Uh, I think it's just the thing that we ought to do, amen, as the children of God. And those people I have offended before I ever got saved, if I ever ran into them again on the street, Pastor, many in Jefferson, Ohio, many I've gone up to over the years and asked them to forgive me. Just asked them to forgive me because I hurt them before I was ever saved. Amen? And asked them to forgive me for what I did because I'm not the same that I was. He said, we're to do the same thing. We're to forgive one another even as, listen, as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, how does that work? When you came to God and asked him to forgive you, did he forgive you? I've never met anybody yet that really came to God and asked him, asked him forgiveness, Pastor. I've never met anybody yet where he said, I can't do it. Never met anybody. If you meant it from your heart, He'll never say, I can't do it. <clears throat> Why? Because he's a God of forgiveness. Amen. And so when somebody comes to you that has harmed you or damaged you or hurt you or upset you or irritated you, and if they say, "Would you? I'm sorry, would you forgive me? We have to have that spirit of forgiveness. And my friend, if you can't say at that moment, I forgive you, then you have the problem between you and God. It's just that simple. It can't be, Brother Mike. It is. If they come and ask you forgiveness, then you need to be willing to forgive them. You have to have it in your heart. It has to be here that at that moment, at that moment, Jesus didn't wait to the next day to forgive you. He said, forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He never turned you away, did he? Never turned you away. The key is the asking for forgiveness, Pastor. You didn't get forgiveness from God until you asked him. It was there, amen? It was there, but you got it when you asked him. It was there. For you, it has to be there, and then when they ask you, it has to be given. Boy, I tell you what, that's what we should be like. I got to tell you, that's probably one of the hardest ones to be like. Amen? That is hard. But it can be accomplished because if it could not be accomplished, it would not be in his word. Hmm. Imagine that. Anything he's asked you to do in his word, you can do. 
because it's in his word. It can be done. It's just a matter if we're going to do it or not. Sever heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, thank you for this Sunday school hour, Lord, and I pray that you help us in the next hour, Father. Uh, Lord, again, that you'd have the honor and the glory. Be with these here this morning, Father. Uh, help them, Lord, uh, as you've spoken to individuals, that you might have the glory and the honor. Help us to leave the right impression, Father, as we go through this uh, our Christian life, Lord. Help us to honor and glorify you now. We'll give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.